0: Shut up and sit down. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to say is. Mr. Gorbachev,
1: tear down this wall. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I did not have. Sexual relations for that woman?
0: I'm speaking with myself, number one, because I have a very good brain and I've said a lot of things. And-
2: <laughs> I never get tired of that one.
3: It's, it's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Good to be here. Barstool Politics. We have Suzanne Chad with us, I guess. Hi, guys! Yay. Dr. Suzanne Chad from North Central College. Thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, it's been a long time coming. Thanks, guys. It has of been. It's course. your
3: first time with the new fancy equipment. I
1: know. I, I was being told about mic disciplines. So very important. I I feel like you all need to tell me if I'm if I'm having it or not having it.
3: <laughs> so far so good. <laughs> okay,
1: good. Thank you. I appreciate
3: it. Phil Barker, how are you? I'm doing great. It's hot. Yes. It's hot everywhere. <laughs>
2: I
1: know.
3: <laughs>
2: what is the it?
1: beer helps.
3: Yeah, it's been like ninety degrees for like two weeks. It's just everywhere. It's it's hot everywhere. So, Mm -hmm. and the politics is (laughs) hot too. (laughs) Nice
1: segue. That's an
2: awesome segue. (laughs)
1: Um,
3: Before we get into that, um,
2: Barstool Politics. uh, Follow us on Facebook at Barstool Politics, Twitter at Barstool Paul, Um, Barstool Politics on the Untapped app. You can find all of our uh, the beers that we try. Uh, If you have beer suggestions or comments or questions about anything. Uh, shoot us an email, uh, barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com um, and and various other things that aren't related to us but probably have the same name. Don't yes. use those. Just the ones I listed. Just ours. Just yeah. ours.
3: Yeah. Um, we should also announce that we've got special content this week. What? Yes. I was going to save it for
1: later. Were you? Okay, at,
3: we can save you it. You've ruined
2: it. Oh, well, no,
1: but now they're going to keep listening until it. you talk about what the right. special content is. So,
2: <laughs> well, we have Suzanne here and we you know we, we like to talk about Hillary every so often, and we figured this was a good opportunity to discuss her book. Um, So we're going to be doing a special uh, recording that will probably release Thursday of this week, uh, going over thoughts and opinions and fights and whatever else happens in the next hour and a half to two hours. So it'll it'll be a lot of fun. So
3: watch for that. So if you're listening to this segment, it's gonna be a normal section with a couple normal rounds and some speed rounds, and then you can tune in in a few days for... Special content, special Yay. episode, it's like the B side. Yes, what happened? <laughs> um,
2: yeah. To start out with, uh, where were we? W- was this North Korea again? We're going to start with
0: the NFL, and then we'll get to North Korea. Oh, okay, they both look at the same <laughs> yes, time. So. Priorities. Yeah. The NFL Sorry. are the president's priorities, and pay attention Sorry. to the NFL over North Korea. For <laughs> right. The, the NFL is
3: bigger than uh, <laughs> than North Korea. At at least for a little bit, so. <laughs> Yeah, all right, so uh, maybe a quick refresher for our listeners. So uh, this all started on Friday when Donald Trump was in at Alabama doing a rally for Senator Luther, what's his name? Strange. Strange. Luther Strange.
1: The primaries today, right now. Yes, mm-hmm.
3: yes. And so he was doing a normal rally, and somehow or deci- he decided to hit on the NFL, and he went after, uh, he didn't specifically mention Colin Kaepernick, but he went after athletes who have been kneeling, and he said, uh, quote, uh, wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now. Out! He's fired. He's fired. <laughs> so this came out Friday. And then uh, Trump followed up with additional tweets over the weekend. You, He also, I believe it was early Saturday morning, Apparently, I'd heard rumors that uh, Steph Curry wasn't didn't want to come to the White House, so over Twitter, he disinvited. Rescinded. Yeah, rescinded. Yeah. Revoked. Yes. Oh, revoked. Yes. I'm sorry, Exclamation revoked. Point. Right. Yeah. No, uh, no, the Warriors are no longer welcome at the White House, which upset LeBron James, who called him, what did he call him? A, a bum. A bum. Yeah, you bum. Mm-hmm. Uh, athletes. Uh... NBA players, NFL players uh, responded on Twitter, and then on Sunday you saw a number of athletes, actually many athletes and teams, uh, either kneeling uh, and holding arms or armbands. Uh, some teams didn't even come out of the locker room for the National Anthem, so this was this was a big deal. Um, now the good news is that Trump tweeted out and he said the issue of kneeling has nothing to do with race. It's all about respect for our country, flag, and national anthem. So we, our conversation, we don't have to hit on race because so it's you know it's totally <laughs> separate from that. Yeah, I feel so much better now. So so maybe Suzanne, you want to start us off with some of your <laughs> some of your reactions to all of? The, you're a sports fan. You're also you follow politics. Yeah,
1: it's it was. I was talking to my class yesterday, and I was like, this is sort of the perfect storm of wonderful and awful for me because as a huge football fan and obviously as a po- politics fan, it's been an interesting intersection of the two of them. And um, it's it's been interesting to talk to students about this because they some of them don't remember what happened with Colin Kaepernick last year. So to give them a little bit of context and hearing them talk about it, getting the different viewpoints of well, what what's the purpose of kneeling and why aren't they coming out and what kind of message are they trying to deliver and are they being divisive on purpose? But who's really being divisive and the way the media is covering? It's very interesting because some are saying... Some of the reports are saying, well, they, they're, the point was to be divisive. And others are saying, no, the point is not to be divisive. It's that Donald Trump is making it divisive. But I think the one point to bring up, and I brought this up to Bill, we were talking about it yesterday, is that a lot of the way the media is covering it is to say that the players on Sunday um, were protesting Trump. And that's not what they were doing. They were following the lead of Kaepernick. And apparently Marshawn Lynch had done it even previous to that, which I wasn't even aware of. So now we're... Everything that happens is always about Trump, but it's not this time. Right. But because he brought it back up in the spotlight, the players took it upon themselves to try to get back to what the message of what Kaepernick was doing really was and have sort of this, this idea of solidarity around it. But then Jerry Jones and the Cowboys last night ruined all of that with their little antics before the anthem played. So I don't know if Phil's looking at me, as a, I guess as a Texan, do you have a thought about that one?
0: I'm a Texan, but I'm not a Cowboys fan. <laughs> oh, that's right. Sorry, let's,
1: let's make that distinction.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, so the, the, it's interesting because y- you're right; it's not a, it's not about Trump, but by Trump saying these things and tweeting these things, he has made it about him. So He's I, good I think at the, that. so. The the numbers that I saw were like 200 players, two more than 200 players kneeled this weekend, right? And it, that's, I mean, so it, it's partly about the racial issues and whatever, you know, that, that Kaepernick and others are trying to bring attention to. But when when Trump starts attacking players for doing this, then it becomes this message of solidarity with them, which in some ways dilutes the original, I think exactly. dilutes the original um, message. Mm-hmm. And this is clearly something he did.
3: He made this an issue. This wasn't something that snuck up on him. This is something, I, I, whether it was intentional or not, but I, I think it probably was. I mean, he made this into a big deal, and the fact that he continued to double down and keep tweeting yep. and keep pushing it. And at one point, he even tweeted out yesterday that General Kelly agrees with him, right. <laughs> which was yes. sort of insane because General Kelly could have said that. But he come, you know, Trump comes out and says, no, he says he likes what I said, too. <laughs> CNN
1: <laughs> apparently reported that Kelly was against it. And so then, of course, he's like, CNN, fake news. Here you go. He actually supports it. He's been tweeting all day today about this still. Because oh. there's nothing well, I mean, else going on that should be addressed.
0: Right, right. No, of course not. I mean, this is a this is a political winner for him, right? Like, I mean, I, I oh, think yeah. it is certainly divisive nationally, but this has got to really be a, a you know, it, it's got to hit home with his base, right? With <laughs> with his core supporters. So you would say this is a this was a, a good strategic or political action. I think the people who are on the side of Colin Kaepernick and all of this were never Trump supporters. They were never <laughs> going to right. be well, yeah, Trump he supporters. He delivered
1: the initial message in Alabama at a rally for a Republican tur and candidate to continue on in his seat. So, mm-hmm. And some have said, some have argued that this is his typical wag the dog strategy. Like, don't look at the travel ban. Don't look at my Twitter fight with, you know, with Kim Jong-un that we're going to blow up the world and I declared war. Let's talk about football mm-hmm. instead. hmm
3: So you think this is a good idea too, Nick?
2: I I mean, the reports that I've heard on a lot of different media outlets, um, Fox News wasn't one of them, actually, uh, was that this was a win, not only of his base, but just the people who were in the actual stadiums, and then any reporters who were at bars watching the game with fans or anything like that. Most people were in support of Trump's stance of, uh, uh, and not necessarily his rhetoric, but The thought that was going behind it, it was respect for the troops and respect for country. And these are extraordinarily wealthy people who have a lot of opportunity now. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's a compelling message when
3: when you get down to it. It's it's an interesting thing because there's really two things that we could talk about. One is the merits of the critique. Right. I mean, obviously, these players have the right to protest. And this is, you know, free speech arguments. But the fact that this is seen as a winner is, is pretty disturbing to me in the sense that it's 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 a total divide of the country. It's doubling for down sure. on these camps and saying that we're going to continue to play the racial lines. You know, whether Trump says it's about race or not, it really, truly is. It's it's about race for the players. And I think it's also subtly about race
0: for, for the politicians as well. For sure. I mean, you see some of the, the rhetoric that's used is about how these players should be grateful yeah. and should mm-hmm. be. I mean, there's, there's lots of it, it may not seem like it on the surface to most people, but there's lots of. Kind of racial history behind that, that attitude. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but I, I, I think it can be both. It can be both terrible for the country and divisive and and a, a winner for Trump at the same time. Um, I mean, the thing that is interesting to me about this is that is the the irony or the contrast between the the right. I mean, it's on. We've talked about free speech in a number of uh, in a number of ways over the past few weeks. Jeff Sessions today was giving mm-hmm. a talk about campus free speech and how like we have to tolerate people who we disagree with, right? Mm-hmm. He's giving this speech while the entire right and specifically Donald Trump is like lashing out at people for expressing an opinion, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this it's this weird contrast um, where it's not weird; it's just hypocritical, right? It's you, the people who are who are pissed off about conservatives being drowned out or not being given free speech and accusing people of snowflakes and all of that then These freak snowflakes. out and melt down whenever a you know a, a nfl player kneels during the national anthem it's it's yeah i mean it, it's it's bizarre
3: and for a president to intentionally embrace that strategy mm-hmm. when you think back people said obama was divisive they said george w bush was divisive but not in this way not intentionally where they were picking fights trying to find ways to enhance the culture war and pull people aside this mm-hmm. is a it's a unique moment in the history. Right. And Suzanne,
1: I was, what I was just going to say is thinking about what the flag represents and what the anthem represents and that the right has sort of taken this on as the mantle for them, that it's about blind patriotism, or some call it nationalism, whatever it is, that the reverence to the artifact of the flag or to listening to the national anthem, that if you don't do that, then automatically you are un-American and ungrateful to be a citizen of this country and that, you know, that love it or leave it kind of mentality that has worked really, really well really, really well for the right. And that anytime anyone says, but wait, isn't the other side of that that the flag and the anthem represent the fact that we can disagree and we don't have to stand and we can protest in ways that are protected by the First Amendment which is what the players are saying and some on the left are saying. And so both are claiming being American, mm-hmm. but just in very different ways.
3: It's an argument over patriotism. Who's the, yeah, who's the real patriot here? And you're That's seeing right. a divide on the right as well mm-hmm. between those who yeah. faithfully embrace this idea of free speech and those who are embracing more of a, I guess, a patriotic embrace of, of the flag and, and mm-hmm. country in that sense. Have you watched any of that Vietnam documentary? I, I haven't, I, wanted, I hear I'm everybody
2: says it's great. It so it yeah. is shockingly similar to yeah. the envir- the political environment yeah. now. Toxic and, dynamic. And, yeah, toxic dynamic that, yeah, that breakdown between conservative and liberal values and who's more American and love it or leave it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's crazy how we never learn anything. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but it's a really
2: That's good true. documentary. You should, yeah. you should
3: definitely
1: watch it. Ken Burns, anything he does, is yeah. like
3: insane. Mm-hmm. Well, for just, me, what's? Oh, go ahead, Phil. You're gonna say something.
0: So, I mean, I do. You, I was gonna say, do, do you think um, I mean, we've asked this question before? And and Suzanne, you kind of touched on this a second ago. Is this an intentional strategy? Like, so is is Trump doing this because travel ban? I like. I tend to think that he's not. I tend to think that this is just his personality. That if you want to understand Donald Trump you have to think of a man who's driven by ratings, right? And this is something, he says something, it gets a lot of attention, people react, and so he doubles down on it. I think the same thing is what you see playing out with North Korea and other places. So I'm reluctant to give a whole lot of intentionality to it other than he said this to a crowd, the crowd loved it, and so he's continued to double down on it. But am I not giving him enough credit? I I mean, I think
2: that's a strategy in itself, no? (laughs) I, I mean, I don't think it's a really complex or intellectual strategy but i think it is it's a pretty effective strategy uh, we wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't
3: he is good at so, reading a room too so yeah. it's possible and it's hard to know we'd have to get inside his head but it's possible that he does this on friday and sees the people go nuts
1: and, mm-hmm. and then sees yes. what happens over the weekend right. and then yeah. he's created a stir which
3: is what he did during the campaign he would throw lots of ideas out some would get traction others wouldn't and he would always adapt to whatever worked and so maybe phil that's the case you know, there's enough race in this that it's similar to some of the other dynamics that it's, it's akin to what he's done, but it's a, it's a new way of exploring that. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I think yeah. that's right. It, it's, the whole thing to me is just so interesting because thinking about that he's had zero substantive policy wins, but he keeps making comments like this and engaging on Twitter and, and engaging his base in ways that make them forget, oh, you haven't done anything you promised yet. And right. him calling out Congress and doing the things that he's doing saying they're not doing their job, he comes out smelling like roses with his base, sure mm-hmm. which you know can only last for so long since we're only eight months into his presidency right, but well, right now it's working for him right. I, I don't
2: know if there is an end game or, or, or an end point to that. I think it's it's been ratcheted up every single time yeah. that he's tried this mm-hmm. I, I'm not necessarily sure that there is a a finite Point where this strategy stops working. At
3: this point, mm-hmm. Did I say it, point too many times. No, <laughs> no he, he, yeah. this is and it'll be different content. But I'm guessing this is what will happen over the next right. four years, eight years, or six months, depending.
0: You know, on mm-hmm. the Mueller investigation. <laughs> I, but, uh, I don't know if we need to move on, but I, I want to. I, I feel like we should at least mention. I, in the in the context of we've been in Trump prison for six or eight months now or whatever, <laughs> Such um, a great I don't feel like <laughs> I don't feel like we should move on without acknowledging how shocking it is for the president to refer to someone as a son of a bitch, right? Yes. On on like that is incredible, and then to call for their jobs, right? This is the, over the last two weeks or whatever there was uh what's her what's her name Jamel hill Hill. from espn yeah espn um colin kaepernick indirectly but players in general like there have been a number of times in which it has been explicitly stated that their views are enough for them to lose their job Mm -hmm. which is shocking on a i mean it's 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 shocking and a little scary to see the president doing that I in mean, my my impression or my understanding is that it's also illegal right yes. like a government yes. so a government official cannot use their position <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: to essentially try to get someone fired. Well you can do it on Twitter. Twitter makes it okay, right? Right, of course. <laughs> Cuz <Because> words <laughs> so,
1: don't really matter. No. So it's
3: oh, really fine. No this is a great point where we've become how quickly we've become accustomed to this new reality and mm-hmm. allowed him the grace of saying oh it's not a big deal. Yeah. Well I,
2: I mean I think there's enough people that support it that it doesn't really matter.
3: And I, as as
2: much as I don't agree with the rhetoric i think that there's a uh, obviously his base and a significant portion of the the american population that goes well this is exactly what the left has been doing to us for the better part of eight to ten years calling for people's jobs because they didn't agree for agree with their opinions so now it's payback turn
1: around is fair right exactly so
2: again don't agree with it i don't think anybody should be fired for what they have to say or their opinions but it's 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 hard to, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's
3: um, it's tempting. Yeah.
2: It's really, really tempting. A strategy. Yeah. And Trump
3: yeah. always takes the bait on that. He's he's not pulled back by norms. I mean, this is a point you've hit on for a long time, Phil, that the big danger of, of Donald Trump isn't the illegal activity. It's the norms that he breaks yes. and the new right. standards that he sets. So. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, speaking of some verbal sparring, uh, the <laughs> North Korea continued again this week. So, uh, And uh, it appears we may actually be at war with North Korea. I'm not entirely sure. But on Monday, uh, North Korea's foreign minister stated that Trump's threatening comments were, quote, a declaration of war, specifically said, since the U.S. declared war on our country, we will have every right to make countermeasures, including the right to shoot down U.S. strategic bombers, even when they are not inside the airspace or border of our country. Uh, the North Korean statement uh, was in response to Trump's earlier tweet about the North Korean foreign minister, which he said, uh, quote, if he echoes thoughts of Little Rocket Man, uh, they won't be around much longer. Right. So last week was uh, we were going to totally destroy North Korea. And this week we're saying Little Rocket Man and his ilk will not be around much longer. Mm-hmm. North Korea takes that as a declaration of war. Uh Phil, you've week by week you seem to go back and forth in terms of being terrified, <laughs> feeling a little bit better. Where are you this week?
0: I'm super terrified.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could take that back to my students who keep yeah, asking so, me when they should be scared. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. Phil Barker says you should be scared. Yeah, now. Tell, tell the check
0: out the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I my my new North Korea war alert is about the same level it was last week <laughs> when I saw this story that they interpreted trump's comments as a declaration of war and that they would start shooting down um american warplanes. it um yeah it scared me right i mean that, that, i think that's that's a again another escalation i don't know that it's much more than another rhetorical escalation um in in the grand scheme of things now there have been um a couple of smaller news stories that I've seen related to this, uh, you know, and it, well, there, there have been a number of stories, one of which is that the North Koreans are considering testing a hydrogen bomb atmospherically, which hasn't happened in 40 years. That's for nice. for so uh, layman, that means in the air. Right, right. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> instead of, you mean me? Instead of, <laughs> <laughs> instead of underground. There are international treaties that say you can't test nuclear weapons above ground because of the environmental and all sorts of other issues, the fallout. Um, But, yeah, they've started talking about essentially detonating a hydrogen bomb over the Pacific. That would be a massive escalation if that happened. Um, I saw a former I wish I I should have I should have taken a screen grab of it. Um, A former military officer uh, who was saying that he interpreted essentially the situation in North Korea. I think he said he saw like a 50 percent chance of some sort of conventional combat between essentially North Korea and South Korea slash the U.S., Um, that scares the hell out of me, right, that military leaders are, are thinking that way. I also saw another story that North Korean officials are trying to reach out to Republicans. yeah in an to get a grasp on Donald Trump, like essentially saying they don't know how to interpret or how to read him. And so they're reaching Neither out do to...
3: We. Right.
0: <laughs> North Koreans
3: are now like the voice of reason trying to reach out <laughs> oh, like, what is going on here? Christ.
0: Crazy, <laughs> you guys that's in that is oddly encouraged. I mean, that's that's, you know yes. that's yeah that sends some sort of message that they're not automatically taking him at face value they're sort of reacting in a holy shit what's this guy doing you know how do we interpret this sort of way but that gets back to the thing we've talked about over the past couple of months is that the 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 doubt that donald trump brings to this the sort of instability the the um questioning about his motives um is what is dangerous in this whole process um yeah i don't know
3: I remain, I still think the odds of going to war are lower than actually not going to war, but I do think over the last couple of weeks, the chances of that have gone up quite significantly, right? This is, the rhetoric, at some point rhetoric matters, and I think we've drifted into this area where we're trapped by our own lot, your our, their own rhetoric now, mm-hmm. and each time it gets a little bit more, and now the United States not only is saying things, but now we're flying uh, planes along the border, and North Korea has to rhetorically <laughs> respond by saying, we may shoot those down. And mm-hmm. at some point, then they may shoot something down, and then mm-hmm. it's not just rhetoric, but it's an actual incident. Mm-hmm.
1: Isn't there, Aren't there North Korean propaganda videos going around right now that are showing an act? Showing North Korean planes actually shooting down American warplanes.
2: I mean, they show that like every other week.
1: No, I know it's not like <laughs> it's uncommon, but that it's like their cartoon, especially sure. in the, since this last couple of days that it's it's it means something different now. Mm-hmm. I would say, And mm-hmm.
3: it's it's surprising that that those around Trump haven't been able to control him on this rhetoric stuff, right? I mean, they let him tweet on a lot of things, but it feels like Mattis should be in his ear saying. You Because know, they're saying this through through the papers that the rhetoric matters and we need to tamp down that rhetoric and, and why he doesn't get that, why everybody else seems to understand the dynamic there and how you deal with North Korea. Well, I mean, but, that
2: begs the question. I mean, it's either I, I find it hard to believe that they can't tamp down on his rhetoric, considering how much that there's been over the past few months. It, it's starting more and more to feel like they want something. They want something to change. I'm not sure how drastically they those want it to change. Around Trump are will that are now As- supporting? Yeah, especially him. the military personnel in those positions. That's but terrifying. The,
1: the reports that I saw were that they try they tried to talk him out of totally destroy that language in the UN speech. Yeah. And he did it anyway, and so yeah. all I think of are the pictures of John Kelly, if you've seen him, where he's just like in yeah. the front row, like with his head down, like what the <laughs> fuck is actually. happening? And they tried right to
3: now? to go to back to a point you were making last week, Phil. They tried to talk him out of Little Rocket Man, and yeah. he, or actually yeah. just Rocket Man, and he insisted on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I so I don't. Um, I I kind of wonder if it's time to re-question, and I, I feel like you've been more sold on this narrative than I have, Bill, but the idea of, like, Mattis and the others around Trump as being this this restraining or sort of counter-voice or voice of, of reason, and I, certainly I think that, like, Mattis and others are, compared to Trump, a voice of reason, but I, I don't know that we can have that much faith in them, essentially. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not convinced that they don't think a military solution is is right, which is what you were saying, Nick, right? Mm. And that that is... Um, yeah, that's kind of terrifying. (laughs) Well, Tillerson, there might be a difference between the individuals.
3: Tillerson has come out and said that a military option is on the table. Mattis has been more careful about saying that the consequence of a military exchange would be devastating. So I I think he's there. But even if even if they're starting to drink Trump's Kool-Aid, right, it's it's still God, it's still impaired upon them to understand the broader dynamic here. This is not the military is not a good option here. I mean, I can't think
1: master in that.
3: Uh wait McMaster is the one wait
1: because I didn't think Tillerson was part of no any no, of it. I'm sorry Tillerson okay Tillerson's asleep
3: remember? that's, that's right. why no, I was Tillerson.
1: like wait he 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 woke up he's no, part right. of
3: this now no, no McMaster that's right Pull McMaster out the flow is chart. the one who's been saying that there's a military solution right. yes okay, I'm that's sorry right. about that no yeah, I just want right. to make
1: sure I was like did I mishear you because you're the you're the foreign policy no, guy so Tillerson's I shouldn't be trying to correct you
3: but either either they're drinking the Kool Aid and starting to think that maybe we can resolve this militarily or. They're just not good enough, in terms of bureaucrats, of, of getting Trump to realize the implications of what he's saying. Either way, mm-hmm. it's disturbing.
1: They're also ridiculously understaffed still. Yes. Right.
3: Yep, intentionally. I mean,
1: we, And we don't talk about this, really, and I don't know whether it's worth talking about now, at least just to say that they don't have the people to do the research. They don't have the people that are, I don't know, quote unquote, field people who have been civil servants and in the field and understand the region. Isn't mm-hmm. there, like, no undersecretary of Asia, or whatever that's actually called? Right now,
0: mm-hmm. The state bar is just gutted. Yeah. It, right.
1: And beyond that. That's not research, what it's called, by the way, listeners. I just can't remember what it's <laughs> called right now.
0: <laughs> beyond, the, beyond the lack of research, no one to do the research, there's just not anybody there to advocate for diplomacy, right? So there <laughs> right, should be right. someone in the room that, that when when you know uh, Mattis or others are saying, hey, we can take them out, the, the whole idea is that there's also someone in the room that is saying there, you know, the diplomacy is a better solution here, or we we haven't exhausted our diplomatic avenues. Mm-hmm. And one Tillerson is essentially non-existent and he has intentionally understaffed and underfunded the State Department. So beyond the lack of research, like not knowing the facts of what's happening in North Korea or whatever, we just don't have anyone there to advocate for diplomatic solutions. So Mm -hmm. that makes military voices that much louder in the room. Which it's,
1: would be, I'm sorry, Bill, go ahead. I mean,
0: it's just a terrible development, right? Trump doesn't listen to those around him on this mm-hmm. issue.
3: And there's not a support staff to try to convince others. I mean, it's just, uh, it's one of the bigger mistakes I think the administration has made is not to fill out the State uh, State Department. Absolutely. It's
2: not being called out either. I mean, no. you don't hear
3: about it right. at all. And I will say this is a bipartisan issue. You see Republicans in the Senate saying mm-hmm. that we want these posts filled. We don't yeah. want a cutback in the State mm-hmm. Department. We realize that... That the
0: Defense Department also needs diplomacy, right? There has to be this balance between defense and state, and mm-hmm. it appears to have gone away. The State Department is a remarkably good investment. It yes! doesn't cost that much, right? Compared to, like, the military, we spend a fraction of the money on it. And, and what we get out of it is, um, yeah, more than pays for itself. It'll be interesting to
3: see. I think Sleepy Rex will be gone soon. I'm and just, then, just gonna ask you, you know, Nick, H- Nikki Haley is likely to assume that position. I'm sorry. Just I'm still gonna yeah. say. <laughs> and I think there's a couple things here. One, beyond the broader North Korea issue, but Nikki Haley is clearly rising. And <laughs> if she gets the state, she'll get some serious foreign policy experience, she'll have mm-hmm. diplomatic experience. Which-
0: it would be nice if she had before she became. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> Phil, that's true. Whatever, <laughs> yeah, Phil. That's, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> Why? But I
3: will say this: change, this is a really interesting question. Switching to American politics, that she now becomes maybe the star within the administration. So there's yeah. Trump.
1: She's an opportunity to. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and she
3: may be a threat to Pence in terms of the most significant voice within that administration. If, mm.
1: Well, so I don't know much about Haley's relationship with Trump, other than that at first it seemed like they were on two different pages when she would talk to the UN and then he would tweet and say things seems like they're maybe more aligned now, but she doesn't strike me as one that's going to take a back seat and be sleepy like Tillerson. Mm -hmm. So aside from gender, if someone ascends to the role of, you know, head of the State Department who's not going to sit back and do nothing and maybe be that voice of reason we're talking about, and then now I'll add gender back on where it's a (laughs) woman, where you have McMaster and Madison Trump, and then she's maybe coming from another angle, what does all of that potentially look like? Mm -hmm. The, the I like your is face that... when I said potentially gender and Nick was like smirking, like.
2: <laughs>
0: no, I just like you said, I'm going to add it back on. Because... Yeah, now I'm
1: going to bring it back in.
0: <laughs> the problem with Nikki Haley, from my perspective, is that I don't know that she provides that voice of reason. Sure. I, I'm not convinced that she believe. like maybe she does. I, I'm not convinced from her time at the State Department that she believes in diplomacy. Mm-hmm. She she has used her time at the State Department <laughs> to basically back up the Trump tr- the the Trump threat <laughs> that Trump has made. But um, she's new,
3: Phil. She's only been doing this for what, six yeah. months? I, I mean, don't realistically, about you
2: not foreign right. policy. Right. right. You don't really get into a job until like a year in. I
3: right? will say that the Trump administration is full of people who don't know what they're doing. Oh, for sure. But she seems like somebody who knows what she's doing in terms of a, a talented person. I mean, dis- disagree with her on, on policy issues, right. but. Yeah. She's somebody who clearly could continue to rise and at some Mm -hmm. point be a presidential candidate. She's a
0: rational actor. Yeah.
1: For sure. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. So Before I know that we're about to move on again, but I feel like we should also point out the similarities between like as different as the NFL and the North Korea stories are. Like (laughs) there are so many similarities in that, you know, Trump makes some sort of outrageous claim. People push back. And the more they push back, the more he doubles down and focuses on it. Right. It's the same pattern. He he tweets about the NFL. Other people, you know, LeBron and others tweet back. Hey, is LeBron? You think LeBron's going to run for president? Oh God, <laughs> this is totally. <laughs> He'd <joke>. win Ohio. <laughs> he would. Oh, yes.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> but he tweets. So he tweets about it. People like push back, and he just doubles down. It's the same thing that you see with yeah. North Korea. He tweets something. If people would just ignore it, it would go away. But North Korea and other people respond with, "That's insane," and he just doubles down and focuses. He can't. He can't. Is that because go. he's a dotard? Oh, that's right. We didn't use that last <laughs> so week. Hard. He is needs, that how you uh, pronounce it? Even I guess. Daughter.
1: Daughter.
3: <laughs> he <laughs> That Sounds a, better. He's at his best when he has an enemy, whether that's uh, Colin Kaepernick or black athletes or Kim Jong Un. That's when he's go- or or Hillary Clinton. Dayton, right. Yeah. That's when he's at his best. He's the best kind of politician. It just seems like such an easy problem to solve. All oh, you got to yeah.
2: do is take his phone away. That's it.
3: Lexus. that's all you have to do
1: wait doesn't he not even send the tweets doesn't he have a tweeter where he, he like verbalizes the tweets and somebody else types them
0: i'm I, all right no I phones shock. i fully imagine him in his bathrobe in bed tweeting <laughs> yeah do you think he's saying room. okay very go, lyndon
1: johnson right with just, like the tv's on and yeah.
2: one exclamation point in this sentence but then you got to put three in the next sentence <laughs> after usa <laughs> yeah. you always get yeah. three exc- make sure usa is capitalized <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, his
1: capitalizations on Twitter, I can't even talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not a grammar Nazi, Bill knows I this, know, but, I know, but I can't still, even handle yeah. it. Okay, moving.
3: We should we should talk beers. Yes, uh, Suzanne, you want to, is our guest. You want to start?
1: Yeah, I as I tend to Mike, do. like
3: discipline Suzanne. Start talking and forget
1: to drink. So I'm about to finish my first one, but so um, so. I, every time I come on, I tell Bill that I want to buy the beer and every time he tells me no because I think it's he secretly doesn't trust me to pick good ones. So today though, the beers he had, he said I wouldn't like. So I went and got my own and I was actually pretty proud of myself because I didn't just get shandies like I normally do. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's my prologue. Wait. Yes, prologue. So now what I had, I started off with a Deschutes Hop Slice Summer Ale. So it's a thousand degrees, which means everything I got was summery. Um, it's, it's delicious. It's it's. <laughs> Everything that I like about a beer, it's it's nice and light. It's not as so not as heavy as a Blue Moon, but it's lighter than something like a Ho Garden, so I really like that. And that's the only one I've gotten through so far, but if you give me a little while or if you listen for the bonus content, I will have another one. Excellent. Awesome.
0: Philip, what are you drinking? So, I have taken the opposite strategy of Suzanne. It's 90 degrees here and I refuse to acknowledge it, so I've chosen fall <laughs> beers.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> Oktoberfest time. <laughs>
0: So my first one was Sierra Nevada's Oktoberfest. I was at the store the other day and I saw this and I thought I'll I'll try it. I I like some of Sierra Nevada's stuff. I like Oktoberfest beers, and apparently I don't. I was going to say that it was brewed anyway. It, it's brewed in some sort of you know relationship with a with a German with a Bavarian brewery. Um, it was good. I liked the flavor of it. It was really carbonated. It was one of those like a little fizzier and than I than I liked, um, and so. If I poured it and let it sit for 30 minutes, I think I would probably really like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second beer that I uh, am—I just—I don't know—a third of the way through—is uh, Harpoon, which is a New England uh, brewery, um, and it is their Flannel Friday. Uh, it's an amber ale, hoppy, malty, crisp. It says on the on the, on the label. Um, I like this one. Um, Maybe I'm just extra sensitive. It feels a little, a little too bubbly for me, too. But um, but I really like the, I like the flavor of it. Um, I would probably drink more of it over the Oktoberfest, the Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Phil? Or right, Phil, Nick. Don't call me that. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the worst thing you can yeah, call Nick. Kinda...
2: <laughs> um, so I'm having a, a Hinterland uh, Oktoberfest right now, which is pretty good, more of a standard Oktoberfest. There was one last week that was kind of, Lighter on the Oktoberfest side. This one's pretty standard. Hang on. Mm. As I spill it on myself. Um, yeah, pretty pretty standard. Not too heavy. Not too light. Nice kind of uh, darker amber color. Um, not overly carbonated. Uh, yeah, somewhere in the middle. Meh. Yeah. Um, meh. meh. Uh, then I had a, a Weekend at Louis from MKE Brewing, which most of their stuff is pretty damn good. Um, this was uh, very blue. It was blueberry flavored amber ale. Mm. And it's a lot of blueberry. It's super <laughs> blueberry. It's like huh? blueberry, like blueberry bagel in, in a
0: toaster oven. <laughs> that and
1: it sounds know.
2: terrible. Yeah, and it uh, does. It wasn't, ba- it wasn't like sugary blueberry. It was just very noticeable. Um, I could probably have two of those before being done for a significant mm-hmm. amount of time. Um, overall, pretty good, though. Uh, I, I think I
3: like it better than the Oktoberfest right now. So Nick and I both had beers from Hinterland Brewery, which is out of Green Bay, and then MKE Brewing out of Milwaukee. I was up in Wisconsin again this weekend. Uh, my first beer was Hop Happy from MKE Brewery, and it was an IPA, and it was a very sweet IPA, uh, mm-hmm. more sweeter than a normal IPA, and it also was like it, it was kind of unfiltered, so there was lots of lots of gunk in the glass, uh, oh. which was, was that which sounds was awful. Well, it, that's not a good way to describe it, but it was tasty, <laughs> uh, more sweet than a normal IPA, which tends to be a little crisper, but it was it was a solid beer. Uh, my second one was uh, Packerland Pilsner, again, Green Bay, Hinterland, uh, go pack. Uh, it, is, it is described as a European pilsner, and it was very malty. So I usually think of a pilsner as uh, like light and crisp, but this was a little more malty than normal. Uh, it says uh, Online, it says the food pairings for this are brats and cheese curds. I was,
1: was going to say <laughs> so, cheese curds. That so, sounds cool. And it's, it
3: does feel like it would be a good pairing. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, two good beers. So
1: All things Wisconsin.
3: Exactly. So... All right, time to move on to speed round. Nick, you got the, oh, Nick's already got the bell ready. I think I got it. All right, so uh, I will introduce topic number one, uh, which is health care. So on Monday, a lot happened on Monday. Uh, A last-ditch attempt by the Trump administration and Republicans to repeal and replace Obamacare collapsed as three senators, Susan Collins, Rand Paul, and John McCain, decided that they were going to vote against this. Uh, and I'm, I guess we can say that is this this is probably the end of healthcare care, uh, because if something didn't pass by October 1st, uh, they're going to need some Democratic votes to do this. So uh, health care is dead, huh? Or at least <laughs> repeal and
2: replace <laughs> is dead. No, it's till At least till next year.
3: It had to go back to its
0: coffin until it could come out again. Yeah, so it'll come <laughs> yeah, back. So,
3: Phil, you think this isn't dead yet?
0: No, I've seen stories already about how they're talking about the possibility of bringing this up in the 2018 legislative uh, session. Of so of course they yeah. have to. Uh, <laughs> I'm so tired of healthcare. No, give us tax reform, <laughs> yeah, please. I, it is. It's insane. No, I can't imagine. I, I feel like I, the Republicans, are, certain Republicans, Republican leadership has like tunnel vision on this in some bizarre way, like this inability to let it go. Um, I mean, I recognize that they will pay a price for not. They might pay a price with their uh, constituents for not repealing Obamacare. But at some point, it seems like that's made worse by continuing to focus Mm. on this. I'm sort of surprised. They've tried hard. No, they
1: have not tried hard because they keep (laughs) recycling the same bullshit over and over again. And then they like, oh, let's throw some money at Maine and let's throw some money at Kentucky. and Let's Mm -hmm. throw some money at Alaska and see if we can get them on board. Because they think that that's all it's going to take, not understanding that this is an iterated process, and that none of them are actually up for reelection, and so they and they're also senators and they're thinking about collective representation. So they're not trying hard. They're doing. It's like. They're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, which Mm -hmm. is the definition of insanity, right? So right now, I feel like the Republicans in the Senate are insane.
3: Do you think they're (laughs) going to give up their insanity?
1: No, they're going to do this again. They have to, especially as we move into the midterm cycle in 2018. So, yeah, they can't do anything now. But when it comes to budget reconciliation time next cycle, next session, they're going to do this all over again.
0: What is the push at this point? I'm sorry, Phil. Go ahead. No, I think you and I are probably going the same. I was going to ask, like, at what point do they drop this? Never. So if, if, you don't. No, think, I'm serious. Lose, never. If they lose after the, they don't get some sort of fresh start after 2018, like if they lose the 2018 or they lose, you know, they lose seats or whatever. Do you feel like that allows them to sort of, okay, they've taken their lashes, they can move on? No. Or do you think they continue, like, so when I'm like 75, which is like four years from now, <laughs> it feels like.
1: That's good math. Are we still
0: going like, to, so 30 years from now, are we still going to be trying to repeal Obamacare? They're
1: going to continue to try to do this until they don't have the majority anymore. And the thing that I find so hilarious about that is that trying to continue to do it may be the thing that gets them out of the majority in the first place.
3: But then they can rest.
1: Yeah, then they could rest. (laughs) And then the Democrats can either make changes to Obamacare that would be more palatable for the public because they have the majority and they can make tweaks. And maybe think about being a little more bipartisan and bringing some Republicans in. This is like, what if, what if, what if, like potentials, Mm -hmm. right? But if we go back to the 2010 midterm cycle, which was almost exclusively the reason why the Republicans went back to the House in the first place was because Obamacare passed. There's no way they can stop trying unless that precludes them from doing other things which is where the conversation shifts a little bit if they can't talk about tax reform and they can't talk about immigration and all they're doing is these futile attempts to repeal and replace obamacare then they have to think about shelving it and doing stuff where they could actually get something done but right now they're gonna have to try to do all three at the same time how is that not where we are (laughs) it's exactly where we are which is why it's hilariously frustrating Sorry, Phil.
3: <laughs> did, did any of you, or I guess, how did you react to the attack that Donald Trump put on John McCain this weekend? I mean, so when John McCain came out and Nick, you get to start. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I mean, I don't not only st- did he attack John McCain. McCain on Twitter, but then he put a video out. Uh, he did. John, I mean, Trump tweeted out a video of McCain attacking Obamacare previously mm. and said, "Like you're not doing your job." I I, I mean. It's it's just dumb. Like, yeah. It's so dumb.
2: Like, Health, and I I care of Trump. <laughs> oh, I, all of, all of it. All of it. I um the fact that he would I, I can't even say sink to that level, but the fa- like it's so unnecessary, yeah. and especially in the condition that he's in. Like, I know that we don't I, I don't agree with a lot of what McCain has done um over the past decade or so legislatively, but. It's just such a low blow and it's so unnecessary. And if you if you think that that's going to somehow fire up your your base or constituents or other senators to make some sort of shift. I, I think it's going to have the, the polar opposite effect. Especially
3: but, when you think about the grace with which Lindsey Graham handled that McCain vote and yes. said John McCain has the right to vote however right. he wants. Right? I mean, and exactly. then the, the issue's dropped. Right. So. Mm-hmm.
0: But, well, I mean, this is where Trump is bad at his job, right? I mean, <laughs> this I, is not the only right. place, but I'd, yes. <laughs> I think I th- you could make arguments that Trump is good at certain aspects of his job, but like... <laughs> Um, shepherding legislation through is certainly not one of them. He spent the entire weekend leading up to this incredibly important vote tweeting about the NFL, right? Like, right. nothing about health care. And the person whose vote he needs, he, like, attacks viciously, right? It's mm-hmm. just, it, it's a terrible, terrible strategy for getting your legislation through. That's yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. Topic number
3: two, travel ban 8.0? I mean, how many travel bans have, I, I mean, <laughs> I I've lost track. 3.8. Uh,
1: Three, yeah. paragraph A, point right. C.
3: So Sunday evening, the Trump administration announced yet another travel ban. Uh, this time, uh, bumping the number of banned countries up to eight. So we added a couple non-Muslim countries, uh, specifically... Well, you got to balance it out.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Specifically- because it's not a Muslim ban.
3: That's right, exactly. Specifically, Chad, North Korea, and Venezuela. One old country, Sudan, has fallen off the list. What? Good for Sudan, Congratulations. right? Congratulations, well, elevated. Clearly, even though, they're getting their act together, even though nothing good is happening in Sudan, and it doesn't make any sense. And Chad, who's now added to the list, is a really important partner in the you know the war on terrorism. Uh, it's I just don't I, I don't know. So, um, are we are we excited by the travel ban, Phil? That's
1: a horrible I'm question. Excited by anything?
3: The <laughs> <When laughs> bell rang. <laughs>
0: Was there any explanation at all for Chad or Sudan or these changes that were made? No. (laughs) (laughs) And and did we have a lot of people coming from North Korea to the (laughs) United States? (laughs) Well,
2: if we can't send our people, they definitely can't send theirs. It's just fair.
0: So of all the travel ban um, countries listed, the you know, the country that declared this week that they view us as at war with them, I'm kind of okay saying North yeah. Koreans can't come. <laughs> That's the one part of
3: the travel ban I'm like, sort of, all right, okay. I but, Apparently we caught Chad totally off guard. Chad's like, what? What, what? what? What happened? I thought we were friends. Did he misspell something? And, and Venezuela... You would think a country which is truly going through an awful circumstance should be able to if if somebody makes it to our borders, we would let in, but no they they might
0: be isis so did they did know. they do this just to strengthen their legal argument that it was not a muslim specific band
1: I would say they would have. Yes.
0: Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> I mean,
1: they're not going to say that, but, like, of course right. they did.
0: And
3: didn't the Supreme Court, didn't they say that the, the uh, brief has to be resubmitted or something? Like, the court said something has changed. Well, they're so. supposed
1: to hear the case on the 10th, yeah, on and October that, 10th.
3: Something has changed. They, I should they know the specifics. You should we they can- can- ask Alex. They canceled or- oral arguments. That's oh, a big deal. Oh,
1: yeah. They, what, that makes a lot of sense.
3: So they're getting better at the travel bans. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, again, now, d- d- are we under – is this going to make us safer, Nick – What?
2: (laughs) Are you insane? When was the last time you met someone from Chad? Ever? Or North Korea, for that matter. It's been a while. Yeah. (laughs)
3: I, North. If a North Korean wanted to come, I, I would think be. They want to come so for the right stoked. reason. I would want to.
1: Like, You're pick from their North brains. Korea. Yes. Tell me
3: everything. Any North Korean who wants to come on the podcast, either via Skype or yeah. in person, you are more than welcome. Yeah. Were you shocked by the <laughs> number of haircuts I would that would we had? Be on that one? They, you can do, do your hair any way you want.
0: I'm, just, I'm skeptical. You don't think they have
3: Skype in North Korea? Mm-hmm. You have to have electricity to have. Skype. Wait, I don't think no. that they
1: could listen to barstool politics. <laughs> well, that, in North that's a, Korea.
3: that's a shame. That, that's a, maybe It'll maybe a we should ban them for that. Damn um, shame. I'm sure someone
2: no, they, in the North Korean intelligence service is listening to us right yeah.
1: now. The whole, the whole thing about the travel ban reminds me of the conversation again about healthcare. You're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result because it's all symbolic and it's all rhetorical. Mm-hmm. It's all a way to say we're keeping America safe, a.k.a. the other side. Well, not a.k.a. Keeping America safe on one side talking about the travel ban. On the other side, it's we're delivering on the promise because Obamacare is about to implode and all the premiums are going up and we're going to save you from the shitty healthcare system. Mm-hmm. It's but the same cycle over and over again.
0: But unlike the healthcare thing where they're making no progress, this actually has significant impacts for...
1: That's true. No, that's true. A lot true. of trouble
0: right? Yeah. So I mean, in some ways, this is I, you're you're right on the I don't know the kind of philosophical, strategic standpoint. But but in other ways, in the Trump administration the is is being success. They've been successful here, right? They mm-hmm. have actually managed to implement this, and it impacts the lives of millions of people. No, you're
1: right. You're right. I would
0: love to see
2: interviews and have people point out where Chad is on a map. Oh. But- <laughs>
1: People don't even probably know that it's a country that exists. They think they no. think, probably think it's a fake country just put on there to see if we were paying attention.
3: I bet if we it's of right next eight, to Dylan. Of all eight countries, most Americans probably couldn't hit six of them.
1: Oh, easily. I mean that's oh. that's tough.
0: You think do you think so, Phil? I think that I would be impressed if we could hit six of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Chad is a tricky
3: one. I North Korea is North Korea is easier, <laughs> but uh, Venezuela could be tough. Chad is tough. Uh, yeah, I know the, the
2: continent, or so for each of them. No <laughs> kidding, or so. Uh, or so. <laughs> it's down south of the somewhere. Area. Yeah, because me- Mexico is all this.
0: <laughs> the, the, no, go ahead, Phil. These tra- this travel ban, this iteration is indefinite, right? Like whereas the other one was a limited.
1: Yeah, there's no Several
0: things. months. This is yeah. a like <laughs> as far you know, moving forward it's not permanent but it, it's you know unless something changes it stays in place well someone's going to
1: sue again well, unless, this is going to go to the courts again right
3: or you can start to behave like sudan and you can find yourself off the list right so this is this yeah, is a, a good uh, behavior yeah. it's like it's like getting out of prison early how does that
2: happen
1: i no i really want to know like i would love to see the research on this that probably doesn't exist, right? It was probably like, let's just close our eyes and, like, shoot a dart and, like, see what shows up on the map and we'll put them on the list and take yeah. somebody off. But if there's real research, I would like to know why all of a sudden did Sudan get off of the list.
3: Mm-hmm. Chad was probably added because it, it was early in the alphabet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like Chad. Yes. Uh-huh. All right, Phil, you ready for topic number three? Uh,
0: yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> Which one's that I again? Had, <laughs> I had to look at my list to figure out what topic number three is. So, uh, yeah, so there is a... Um, I don't know if I should. If it's developing, an ongoing humanitarian crisis in Puerto Rico. So um, Hurricane Maria went through Puerto Rico last week with uh, something like 165 mile an hour winds. Um, it's, it's sort of hard for me to wrap my head around the amount of devastation that the reports are talking about coming out of, of Puerto Rico. Um, the entire island without power. Um, I saw reports today that something like only 20% of Puerto Ricans have access to potable water at this point um, of the, you know, of some tiny fraction of the hospitals on the Island are open. Um, it, it sounds awful every bit as bad as Harvey, right? Um, the interesting aspect is that uh, this is getting, I shouldn't say it's not getting any coverage, but it's getting, you know, the, the comparison of the coverage of uh Harvey in Texas or Irma in Florida and Maria in Puerto Rico mm. is is um remarkable because there's very little coverage. People have been talking about Trump has not I guess today he did tweet about um Puerto Rico for the first time but essentially blamed Puerto Rico for their problems for having poor mm. infrastructure mm. and all sorts of yeah. other yeah.
1: But the FEMA is doing a really good job <laughs> of, of fixing yeah. it all. Yeah. <laughs> So we have this uh, interesting situation,
0: which Puerto Rico uh, Puerto Ricans are you are Americans, right? I mean, this is an American territory. It's not an official state, but it's an American territory. And the response has been um, remarkably different. Uh, there have there were changes made or waivers made to like shipping regulations to help get supplies and fuel into Houston after Harvey. That those regulations have not been waived for Puerto Rico, so they're mm-hmm. still being required. Reco- it, it's it's really shocking and. Um, it's it's a stark contrast the way in which the, the we are handling or, or reacting to Puerto Rico versus Houston or Florida
3: it makes you wonder is this an issue of hurricane fatigue right have we just had so many so quickly that the story doesn't doesn't have traction anymore or is it something a bit more sinister where when we say if it's if we're talking about Florida, talking about Texas, those Americans matter, and Puerto Ricans don't matter in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I don't, I don't know what it is, but you're right. The the contrast is is startling in terms of how much attention.
0: What do you think? I mean, what percentage of Americans recognize that Puerto Ricans are Americans? Well, so like, this
1: poll, literally, there was a poll today, and it's a minority amount of people polled. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. Know that Puerto Ricans are American citizens. Mm-hmm. So, but that angle is not. Not to talk about the media as the safe as the saving grace of this, but I wonder if the reports were, hey, they might be brown, but they're Americans, so maybe we should care about them. That might change. The public outcry for. We need to help our fellow citizens. If the flag means something, going back to our first conversation, it should mean something for everybody.
3: And -hmm. and it puts a burden on Donald Trump, whether or not, you know, if if this is the media coverage, if the fact that Americans don't know this, it becomes a burden on him to come out and say, hey, these are Americans. We need to care about this. Right. Uh, And even though FEMA is there, it does sound like more could be done in terms of whether you're putting a military ship down there, that it, just for potable water, there's a lot of logistical things that aren't that hard if right. you have more
0: manpower down there.
1: Or a visit. Right. I don't see Which, him going to Puerto Rico.
0: I Before we, I just saw before we started this podcast, there was an announcement that he's going next week oh. to Puerto Rico. Rewind. I wish <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that, that's I good, right? That's good. Take, I yeah. take it all back. He still so gave to credit. see if the have resorts he, are okay. Yeah. He has a golf, does he have a golf course in Puerto Rico?
2: I don't know. He's going to build one now. There's a lot of <laughs> free
3: land. Yeah. Well, no, Phil, you were saying we should give him credit, and I think that's true. Like, I, I you, He could have been doing
0: more up until this point, but you're right. That's significant. I give him credit in a weird way in that it's taken him days while people have like no access to food and water mm-hmm. where he's done nothing but tweet about the NFL. But he is finally going, so yeah, I mean, there is credit there, well, I guess. And priorities do matter. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about the NFL to the neglect of the health
3: care issue. He could have spent all that time— that he spent on the NFL talking about Puerto Rico, talking about, I mean, this is, this is the thing that presidents do uh, to unite the country. So it's, it's,
1: this is an interesting conversation to have about U.S. territories, right? So, like, what is our responsibility legally when we have a U.S. territory that has gone through something where, from what I understand, there's been at least an approval for, in Puerto Rico to apply for statehood, but they haven't done that yet. So they're not a state. They don't pay federal taxes. They do get to vote, but their votes don't really count. They don't have representation in Congress. They don't have any delegates in Congress that have voting power to advocate for them to have any help. So it's not just about talking about Puerto Rico specifically, but if we, not that we should, but have a broader conversation about, you know, Guam or America Samoa, what if things happen there, which is even further away from where Puerto Rico is? What is our responsibility, both legally and ethically, to the territories or colonies, quote unquote, of the United States? Mm
0: Yeah, because uh, Donald Trump is I mean, it's easy to pick on him, but he's really sort of um, symbolic of American attitudes, right? I mean, we've had all sorts of benefit concerts and fundraisers and tweet. I mean, everybody was like texting the American Red Cross raising money for Houston and for Florida. And you've seen I, I shouldn't say none, but you've seen very little of that for Puerto Rico, right? So it's not, you know, we can point the finger at Donald Trump, but he's sort of representative of American, you know, I, again, I, I would think that most Americans perceive the, the destruction done to Puerto Rico as like the destruction done to Barbuda or, I mean, U.S. Virgin Islands are another example that have been really right. hit hard by this yes. and are and technically, you know, they're our U.S. territory and we, you know, we just don't think of them as... As our responsibility. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, Phil. You ready for number four?
3: Did you do your requisite research? Yes, I I did. (laughs) Right before the podcast,
0: I said, Phil, you explain Germany. Go. (laughs) So it used to be the Holy Roman Empire. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there were German elections uh, on, well, this weekend because Europeans um, are civilized and have elections on weekends. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> uh, so there was a German election um, and Angela Merkel will continue as German Chancellor. This is her fourth term. She's been in power for a long time. Um, but her party, which is the essentially the Christian Democratic Party, which is there's no equivalent of that in the United States, sort of uh, economically progressive but socially conservative. Um, they had the most votes, but they lost... So they got 30 somewhere in the neighborhood of 30% of the vote Um, She will remain in power the big story that came out of it is the AFD which uh, is the alternative for Deutschland the alternative for Germany um, Which is the far-right party? uh, Doubled their representation they got 15% of the votes they will not end up in power Um, but it's a pretty stark you know, it, it sends a pretty clear message about the rise again of the of the far right in, in Germany. So there's a no, number of questions about or a number of topics we could talk about about and, and Angela Merkel as sort of the leader of the free world or about the rise of the far right or sort of what are the lessons we take from this?
3: To maybe start with uh, Merkel as the leader of the free world, it's it's a, it's an interesting element. So this has been a discussion that's been going around in, in foreign policy circles that the Trump administration has pulled back, that Trump doesn't want to be uh, the global leader. He does not want to push the liberal international order. And so then who steps up? Mm-hmm. And uh, the default has been Germany and Angela Merkel. And I don't mm-hmm. think this is a position that she's craved or wanted, but it's kind of falling to her because mm-hmm. who else is going to do this? Mm-hmm. Is it China clearly isn't? Uh, You know, the United Kingdom is no longer in that role, so she has emerged as the as this this voice of reason in terms of global engagement, economic interdependence, the European Union. It's it's
0: a it's a pretty significant transition. And and can we like step back and talk about how that, like, how if we could go back seventy five years and say that Germany would be emerging as the leader of the free world, how? Shocking and like how much disbelief there would be about that in the US I, I, or in the world, right? And so it, it, I don't know. There's some lesson about not predicting too far down the road about what yes. world politics will look yeah. like in
3: there. For both
0: things, one, that that Germany would assume this role and two,
3: that the United States would willingly give it up, that the United yeah. States would have a president who says, I don't believe in the World Trade Organization. I don't believe in multilateral agreements. I don't believe in treaties, right, that, that, that the United States would say next and that Germany would be the one to step up. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I think they have done that in, in everything that you've mentioned, but clearly based off the election results is people aren't necessarily jiving with that 100 percent anymore. Right. So there's I don't disagree that they've made themselves a an integral and um, an extraordinarily important component of the global system. But I wonder how much the facade of that system is going to remain in place. Because it seems like year after year, there continues to be more and more opposition to that particular viewpoint.
3: I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Go, Especially go ahead, their Paul. position on refugees, where more than right. a million refugees have come in. So right. this is a test They've case been the most where liberals, yes, so countries this, in that. This is stressing I,
0: them. I saw today that she. I, I have. I didn't get to read the article. I saw a headline about how she accepted some blame or basically took took responsibility some sort of statement about allowing too many immigrants in or too many refugees in and how that hurt her party and she took some level of responsibility f- for that which is a, a pretty surprising stance to see her take because she's been a pretty ardent defender of of the idea of, of you know refugee politics and um, yeah well,
1: but she, so, go ahead I, I was just gonna say so now and as the non you know international person and also the non-european person so i look at both bill and phil on this one thinking about macron getting elected and then being able to assemble a majority or at least a coalition in the french parliament then if we look at is thinking about the the afd and how they got more percent of the vote maybe merkel is kind of waning is france going to ascend now in some way we have this young energetic leader who came in with you know <laughs> Feels no. Like, no
2: that's silly no I'm just and, and
1: it's says a legitimate question is that if if Merkel is the leader of the free world now but gaining less favor potentially because of her more liberal stances on refugees but it seems like or seems like at least France is even though their stance on their position on refugees and Muslims has not been as liberal as Germany Mm-hmm. Where France fits into this conversation, I guess, is my you,
0: question. You just made a whole lot of French people really happy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm skeptical, how do You though? say you're so,
0: welcome in French. <laughs> the interesting thing that you haven't seen much of, much coverage of in the U.S. press, at least, is that Macron was, you know, he he won this big election and then won the sort of the after, the, so he won the presidential election and then the parliamentary election that came after it. His party was, his popularity numbers are in the Ooh, shitter. Are right? they really? Like he, Real yeah, yeah See, this is like where deeply... I
1: need to get out of my American bubble.
0: <laughs> yeah. So he's he he has fallen from grace very quickly. Interesting. Um, I mean, this is the this is kind of the issue that is sort of the defining moment of liberal politics around the world Mm -hmm. right now about how you deal with this kind of nativistic anti-immigrant backlash. Mm -hmm. Right. It's what you see. It's the story of the presidential election here. It's the story of, you know, we've seen this in in Brexit. You saw it in in France with the with the rise of the um, the national front there. Um, You see it in Germany with the AFD and right trying to figure out how to reconcile These what are clearly the dominant majority notions about inclusiveness and multiculturalism, but this growing opposition to that and and it brings up questions of how far do we go and how do you sort of. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, speaking of like, you know, an unpredictable outcome. 75 i don't know where you know 50 years from now where will we be where will europe be i don't i don't feel confident making a a clear you know prediction about where we're going there Mm -hmm.
3: the election of donald trump was a brief pause in the nationalist movement and then we've moved on right so i think yeah it's it's hard to know where this all plays out Mm no all right our final speed round topic this is a fun one (laughs) what's more stupid thing one or thing two Thing one. All right. We learned this week that at least six of presidential Trump's, uh, President Trump's closest advisors have used private email servers or addresses to discuss White House matters. What? Yes. Led by Jared Kushner, otherwise known as Batman, uh, these officials have failed.
1: <laughs> He's not Robin. <laughs> no.
3: Well, neither one. <laughs> have failed to learn from their nemesis, Hillary Clinton, that this is not a good idea. Uh, so this group includes Gary Cohen, Stephen Miller, Ryan Priebus, and Steve Bannon. All right. So and thing- Ivanka.
1: Ivanka Just too. Came out, Ivanka All right, as well.
3: What's that's, number two? That's thing number one. Thing two: Tom Price taking private jets, costing taxpayers over four hundred thousand dollars. We also learned, uh, yeah. So, Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price, he really likes private jets, uh, and in his capacity as HHS Secretary, he's taken at least five separate trips, costing the public uh, almost half a million dollars. So, our guest today, Suzanne. <laughs> what's, more what's, more, what's more
1: stupid? So it de- <laughs> Lots more? Stupid. Oh, I don't know if I could define it in terms of stupid. But I think the hypocrisy of thing mm-hmm. one and the just elitism of thing two, they both stink. Um, and I guess I would have to say that if I have to decide which one's more stupid, it would be thing one mm-hmm. based on, you know, the raging hypocrisy of, you know, pot, kettle, black, all the things yeah. just for me. Now, mm-hmm. the one thing I have said to students that I've not when they were asking me about this that I haven't seen yet is whether or not any of the communication that was delivered on the private email addresses were cla- was classified information. Mm-hmm. If, there, if there's evidence to suggest that that's true, then there's more of a comparison to what happened with Hillary Clinton previously. Mm-hmm. If there's not, it, it, I could see arguments where Sarah Huckabee Sanders could say, like, this is a nothing burger, sure, right? Yeah. It's just the, the tagline of the administration.
0: <laughs> Phil, what's more stupid? <laughs> So I I should say, so on along those lines, there there are allegations that the people within the Trump administration have been using text messages and essentially encrypted, like, messaging services because it allows them to avoid sort of Freedom of Information Act sort of requests, right? Because it's not governmental. Yeah. So the question of which is stupider, I, I am going to go with option C, which <laughs> is that... <laughs> It doesn't matter. Like the thing that (laughs) I find so frustrating is answer the question, Phil. (laughs) No, they're both incredibly stupid, but it doesn't matter. Like Trump supporters aren't going to give a shit, even though they lost their minds about Hillary Clinton losing private email servers. They're not going to care about this. Mm -hmm. And even though they're pissed about elitism and, you know, all these other things and Trump ran on populism, they're not going to care that price is using private jets because we are so bounded by this dumb like party identification and this negative part like, like. Like, logic and rationality and stupidity don't matter anymore. Nothing, <laughs> Nothing <laughs> means anything. Nothing matters.
1: Nothing means anything. That's to be the title but, of the podcast. That's a very
0: postmodern. Option one, option one is stupider. <laughs> option one is stupider. <laughs> Nick, where are you at?
2: Um, I don't have a problem with uh, with option one. Uh, I think it's uh, completely within reason, and nobody should be questioning it whatsoever. Private emails? Uh, yeah, no. What really
1: you said don't. about Hillary Clinton as well.
2: Shh, don't don't really tell my argument. <laughs> I just have, have to ask. Shh, All right, right. No. Don't just me. <laughs> I don't think being shushed No, that, it's yeah. I I completely agree. It's hypocritical and ridiculous. Yeah, I, I I think if it is, if there is an inkling that there are classified emails or documents within those emails, then yes, that's a severe problem, and they should be held accountable for that. Considering all of the bullshit that we went through over the past year or so. Um, option two, um, I, I don't really care about. I'm pretty sure Nancy Pelosi spent more than that on her private um, private, private plane trips and, and whatnot. Um, it, it, it doesn't... It just doesn't... No? <laughs> so, so Where's the data? Response? Did I
1: not teach you better than that? Where know. are the data? <laughs>
2: we don't do data here. You know that. <laughs> I'll look it up and bring it next time. Thank you. <laughs> or put it on, I'll put it on our Facebook page. Um, no, it, it's, all of this is just so dumb. Aren't you guys tired of talking about this shit? No. I'm so tired
3: <laughs> of it. There is a lot of it. Uh, it seems to me that one is stupid, right? That they yeah. they should know. So there should have been a memo sent out, given how much we spend talking about Hillary's yeah. email service. Nobody used a product. So that's stupid. I don't think number two is stupid. I think it's self interested and yeah. selfish, right? I mean, Tom uh, Price yeah. is is a typical politician in that sense. Like it's, he was offered yeah. a a chance to fly around in a private jet, and he's like, "Sounds great, right?" Uh,
2: yeah, I don't care how we it's, have to pay for no. it. It's a a a systemic, political, institutional problem, yeah. as opposed to I would love to fly in a private jet and probably say yes to it. Right. But it, it, it's just the it's regardless of what side you're talking about or who the person is or what position that they hold. When you do that and someone finds out about it, or there's a possibility of someone finding out about it, don't do it. Right. It's just bad optics. Uh, realistically, probably the majority of them do it at oh, some sure. point in their careers. So just just
3: don't do it. The question so, is whether Tom Price should be fired over this. And, and my no. sense is, oh, I would say yes, right? I mean, this Then is, they all need to be fired. Well, yes, but he got caught. They all do it. He got caught doing it. Trump's got to no, suck it no, up. And they say, don't all do it. They don't all do it. Nancy Pelosi I does you know, it, Bill. his
1: That's a the they whole thing. They don't all do it. It's his predecessor flu coach.
3: I will say that. That is true. You're right. <laughs> no, his I'm pre, serious. Yeah, his predecessor, yes. and, and or flu are,
1: commercial. Sorry. But, maybe not coach. There are certain
3: officials who are allowed to do this, and Health and Human Services is deemed as one who doesn't okay. get it. Air Force
1: it. 15 yeah. does. Yeah. Or Air Force, yeah, Air Force 15 all right. does not exist. When I
3: say they all, I'm not saying they
2: all take private jets. I'm saying in some instance, There are improprieties that are that they are responsible for that they should not be responsible for because of their position. Yeah, I I don't really care what the severity of it is. There are things that they all of them shouldn't be doing, but they're doing because they're in the position that they're in. And I know that's part of the political system and it's part of the game and play the game. But
1: be above the game,
0: be above the game, be better. Be better than be the game. Be better. So, <laughs> Sounds so, like a Nike you know, on, the, on the whole, like they all do it. <laughs> Betsy DeVos was there. Was a, a a story that went around about she was taking private jets, and there was lots of hubbub about it. And she does take private jets. Yeah, she, she has she pays a private for jet it out of her personal accounts, right? right? Like right. that—that's acceptable. Right? That is if you acceptable. Fly, yes. If you're a millionaire and you want to fly private jets places, do it. Do it. But but to assume that like just because you're a government and, and it's again the, the contrast with the message that the Trump administration ran on and was elected on that. Yeah, it, it's just they should be called out for it and they should be fired for it because it shouldn't even if it is normal, it shouldn't be. Normal. Right. Mm-hmm. That's still taxpayer money. Agreed. If
1: I could just add very quickly, yeah. just this broke right before we came on the podcast, at least as far as I saw that Trey Gowdy, who's the one who was at the, he's the head of the House Oversight Committee. So he was the one that was heading up both the Benghazi and the email investigation has asked for the private email server information for all six of the staffers.
3: Nice. Oh, man. Which Those are going to burn. So this, is, this
1: is a very smart PR move, right? Because they did it for Hillary Clinton. Right. He's trying to show, even as a Republican, that he's taking his job seriously as chair, and he's doing it for these Republican administrations. I don't know. It's fell into this
2: pile of magnets and water. So <laughs> uh, it's all, it's all gone. Had to throw that out for Yeah. Him. Anything else on this? This is great. Good episode. Yeah. Thank Um, you, Suzanne,
3: for joining us. Thanks for having me back. I
1: miss you when I'm not here. Yes,
2: Like we said, um, we're going to be doing a special Hillary-focused special content podcast. Um, We're going to record it right now, actually. Um, So we'll probably release that on Thursday. Uh, If you like the podcast, follow us on Facebook um, at Barstool Politics, Twitter at Barstool Paul, uh, Barstool Politics on Untapped. You can see all the beers that we drink uh, and rate uh, uh, questions, comments, beer suggestions, BarstoolPolitics at yahoo.com. And I think that's everything.
3: That's great. Awesome.
0: Cheers, guys. Thanks, Cheers, guys. Yeah, thank
2: Thanks, you. Suzanne.
1: Thank you.